This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Hello, hi y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers and the breaking of all things normal. Aloha, y'all. Okay, it's been more than a minute, maybe more than two weeks even, which is very rare for the Breaking Normal podcast, paradoxically enough. And I am here to introduce my next guest, Grant Cherry, who is, if you can, if you can stay with me right now, I'm actually doing this live on IGTV, or IG, whatever you call it. <laughs> and Grant is watching me introduce him to this podcast right now live that will be introduced to y'all i think monday like january whatever it is it's a new year happy new year everyone what a year uh boulder colorado where i'm been residing for years now which is also quite breaking normal considering my history um has had a quite the end of a year i think about on December 30th, I think about 600 or so homes burned. Um, my understanding is no one died from the wildfires, which is a real blessing and miracle. Although I would send some prayers out for people's new lives, redefined by this fire, and for their pets. Um, and see if you can reach out and help. I'm sure there's ways y'all can, we can figure it out. If anyone's in Boulder that needs my support right now that's listening to this, come on, or anywhere really, but especially the imminence of what just happened here. And I, crazy enough, the day after, we had arguably the biggest snow we've had since last winter. And that's exactly what happened last year. Do y'all believe that? Last year in September, there was the biggest fire in Boulder history in North Boulder. And the next day afterwards, I was up in the mountains, we got like 20 inches of snow. I don't know how much they got in Boulder, but I think at least a half a foot. And then same thing a year and like three months or later. I mean, I was talking about it on my Instagram a little bit. It's like it's it's as if the newscasters are watching or watching the weather. The weather's watching the news, and it's getting confused too. I mean, that's just a whole another rabbit trail. But I go down plenty of rabbit trails here with my next guest, Grant Cherry. Enjoy them. We talk about the one arm, the one arm chin up, the one arm handstand. We talk about Paul Check, Ido Portal, Elliot Hulse. We talk about like certified being certified easily in community and that how practice life movement might be everything we talk about the virus of the mind and group thinking mass psychology and propaganda and censorship and coercion yeah we go there we go there oh wow we talk we talk about the capsule of comedy or was this a previous i see bison liver comfortable with conflict was this the previous that might have been the previous podcast guest but either oh that one's a great episode by the way because grant and i the current podcast guest both shop at her private membership permaculture regenerative agriculture farm how cool is that so um as usual i'd love to love to get y'all's receive y'all's reviews love sharing this space with y'all it's amazing how many like miraculous synchronicities have been catalyzed and birthed from this intention of this podcast and uh, we also talk tribe vitamins so don't forget to get your tribe vitamins uh, check out the website i mean we have an instagram that's pretty active and most importantly talk to the people that take them and become one of the people that take them because this stuff works long story short it works tribe vitamins works bison liver works and it works so that we can play that much better and play that much higher and play that much 
with much more love. Love y'all. Anybody have any questions before I shoot off to uh, Din Din? I think we're going to have some bison tartars, making, checking in with my Instagram fam to see if they wanted to contribute to this communication. You never know where these, these podcasts are going to go. It's amazing what they can lead to. It's just all this like breadcrumbs from God, baby. I guess that's the uh, fruition to follow in our passion. Keep doing it. Keep breaking normal. Much love. Peace. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention at the very end of the podcast, we got cut off by a battery that was going out, which we took as an organic expression to say so long. But I think I've misquoted myself, if that makes any sense, about Troy and Brad Pitt. I think Brad Pitt plays, plays Achilles in the movie Troy. And if you want to find out more, you'll listen to the rest of the podcast and you'll see what I mean at the very end, why I included this segment to it. But yeah. Okay, here we go. We're inside, outside, outside, inside. I'm here with my friend. Continuous, like, you know, the schedule being synchronicities. Continuous synchronicities, but tonight being a bit of an impromptu, like, hey, why don't we record this? This is my friend Grant Cherry. Welcome to the Breaking Normal Podcast, my friend. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, one thing that you did recently for me, which was cool, was... uh deliver 200 bottles of tribe vitamins to a doctor in Arizona, a cardiologist that's way willing to speak out against what's going on in the uh, current curriculum of the, the great reset or whatever you want to call it, like 1984 being a, a prophecy instead of a cautionary tale. That's Dr. Jack Wolfson. He was a previous podcast guest. Did you happen to listen to that show with him? I didn't. Uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. He is not. He is not afraid to tell the truth. That's great. Or at least to see the truth, um, like of his body, instead of what people that pretend to have more power over himself tell him to believe. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about bodies a lot today. I mean, because one, one of the things you do is movement, correct? Yeah, that's uh, that's my thing. How do we know? How do you think we know each other? Because I think it might be through that path. As I adjust my microphone here. Well, I had followed the Raw Bras on YouTube for a number of years. You know, it's probably been about 10 years now since I discovered the Raw Bras and I was following you guys. And, and then I moved to Boulder and the way that we met was I was just training at North Boulder Park one day and you walked up to me <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. I uh, I know who you are, and uh, you know you were you're just working in with me on my training, and then uh, we became friends, and you know it was pretty uh, surreal, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I remember that moment because I remember you doing it looked like what it was like one arm pull up training, right? And I was like, who is this guy doing this? And it looks like he can do one. And can you do a one arm pull up? I can. <laughs> so, you know, we could talk about a lot tonight, but. Uh, that's like a lifelong goal for some people. And funny enough, it's something that I've done. I'm not sure if I've done it to the point of like the Edo portal correctness above the ring. I didn't know that was a thing when I was doing them. Uh -huh. I don't know what all the rules of it are. Yeah, but I was doing matter. a multiple, a, a few one-arm pull-ups if I got really jacked up on life. And I did them purposefully. Uh, like sometimes I felt like I was stretching and getting warmed up for like 30 minutes so I could do like three one-arm pull-ups and then I would cool down and I just felt like the uh, impact of that on my body and 
was very amazing. Yeah. I mean, what do you what do you guys say about the one arm pull up for those for those that are like, what are you even talking about? Or to those that are like, yeah, I've been trying that for a long time, or like, oh yeah, I can do more than you. Uh I would say that the one arm chin up or one arm pull up is a an incredible feat that you know, like point oh 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 something percent of the population on the world can perform. And yeah, I think, you know, if you if you don't know what it is, then you know, you might not care about it and you might not understand why someone would devote so much time and energy and you know their whole life to a goal as such. And if you're on the path and you're working towards it. You know, I, I'd say just keep at it. It's totally possible. And I think that it's a move that you can really show yourself what's possible, you know, what humans are capable of. Um, and if you can do more than me, then that's fucking awesome. <laughs> and uh, I'd love you. I'd love to get your insights on training. <laughs> um, and then that brings me to the one arm handstand. Right. Which it also seems like, in my opinion, that you can do. I'm not sure if you would say you could do a one-arm handstand. Can you do a one-arm handstand? Uh, it's, I, I'm working back to it. I, I did have it quite consistently at one point, and I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting close again. The standard quote would be 10 seconds each side. Oh, okay. That's uh, how you measure if someone can do a one-arm. To like have it, have it. Because you, okay. you get to the point of like slow, falling very that slowly. That fair. Like what if someone has an injury on their left arm? <laughs> Like they would, I mean, it's true. But, well, so well, yeah. 10 seconds on both arms, either arm or both, both arms, or, you know, if you have an injury, then one arm. <laughs> <laughs> and is that something you've been able to accomplish? Yeah. Uh, 10 seconds on both sides. Yeah. There was a point I had, I was in the 20s on both sides. Whoa. Uh, man, I mean, that's getting like that to me. If I, it makes me think of Cirque du Soleil. I'm like, if you can do a 20 second. One arm hands in, and you can do a one arm pull up. I'm like, uh -huh. you're kind of in the demographics of extreme. It could be, and maybe I should consider that. Um, in the hand balancing professional world, the standard is 30 on each side. Okay. But, uh, Did you, you never accomplish that? I never yet? quite got there. Are um, you, is that something you're aiming to get to? Maybe. I don't that know. That shows you what a big commitment this is. You know, it's it not, is. It, it's you, it's you, a very time uh intensive skill. It takes a lot of time and, and well here's a fun question. One arm chin up versus one arm handstand. Which is like harder, which is more unique, which is do you have mm. anything to say if we're gonna dissect these two since they somehow came out right off the right, right off the start line? That's a good question. I think you know, I think they're equally unique. They're just different. Uh, the one-arm handstand is such a fascinating skill in terms of, you know, it's so crazy that we can be upside down and stack our entire body weight over a single point and balance it um, in different positions and move the legs and people become insanely proficient at it. And that takes so much time and practice and dedication and consistency every day to get to that point. And the one-arm chin is very different because it's more just a strength, brute, force movement. There's some technical components to it, but yeah, I think, you know, I'm partial to the one-arm chin-up. I think that's a strength movement that I've spent probably the most time researching myself and experience that I have with. Um, and it fascinates me, but 
you know, they're both, they're both awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> on these topics, and I think I referenced Ido Portal already. Did I not? Um, you might have. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's interesting. You know, one of our mutual connections who we've been talking about getting on the podcast for a while, Matt Bernstein, who I guess uh, is the owner of uh, Boulder Movement Collective. It's, I mean, Epic, uh, Ape Cove now. Ape right. Cove. Formerly yeah. Boulder Movement Collective. Okay, yeah. So it got a little confusing. Well, that's what happens in the transition sometimes. There's some muddy waters that get cleared up. But so he and they have a gym in Boulder and Denver, which I'm excited to get him on the show. Mm-hmm. especially for the sake of synchronicity, because as you know, a little side hustle I do, and one of the first ways I got some funding for Tribe Vitamins was uh, Ubering and lifting around West Boulder, which is such a unique little part of the world. I know you've mm-hmm. traveled a lot. And uh, here, Matt and I are planning things, like, but not just very flexibly, and it hasn't worked out, but just a few days ago, I picked him and his his lovely wife up uh, as an Uber driver. So I think it's pretty secure. That, and, and then he explained to me that you and him might be splitting a bottle of the tri-vitamin bison testicles, uh-huh. which I just, which you just got some of tonight. So the whole, we're in a very entangled synchronicity right now that I just want to take note of. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing one of the ways the Rob Ross impacted you might have been through the Edo Portal interview because Matt told me, I don't know, I'm not sure if that's true for you, but Matt told me that's how he found out about Edo was when Timothy interviewed him. Yeah, that that was the same. Yeah, they I mean I remember later finding the whole interview, but you guys put together like that sort of 6-minute clip with Nako Bear in the background. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. with that song and Aloha Keakua. Yeah. <laughs> and the just yeah, clips of Ito moving and it was super inspirational and him talking and he said I wouldn't train vegans. That's right. That was That's, a polarizing, controversial part of that interview that I think... Which he later retracted. Well, and our video got taken down. Later. Oh, yeah. I know the original's taken down. It's yeah. still on there. Someone else uploaded it, but I was always curious about that. Me too. That <laughs> Censorship is a curious world. Yeah, it's been happening in the background for a little bit, and now it's just sort of very out in the open. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. They definitely, um, what is it called? Like when you like reveal the scene or there's like a phrase for that. I don't like know. seeing behind the curtain? Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like all of a sudden you can, anyone can look behind the curtain if they want to. I don't think everyone wants to though. They want to trust their trusted source, Fox or mm-hmm. CNN or Google or the WOH or the CDC or whatever it is. That's right. Yeah, we uh, we have a button at the bottom for you if you uh, at any moment are starting to critically think. You can just click the button from our trusted source and we have the correct sanctioned <laughs> narrative for you right there. <laughs> yeah, so on that, back to the circle, back to that cool Edo Nako Bear sensor removed. I don't know what do you want to call it. I don't know what you want to call it. That's, That's a crazy. good theory. Like I think my friend Summer said and the, who works with Edo and was saying that she, uh, I, I don't know, that if I remember how she said, how I remember her saying it was like, like Ido has a lot of people that might just like want to flag that video. Like there's a lot of people that are haters, I guess you could say. A lot of vegans out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that part in particular, <laughs> that was probably the most triggering part. Yeah, I'm not sure what else, I'm trying to think what else would be triggering that he said because he, yeah, it was just about movement, you know, just, he was talking about motivation and talking about, all the stuff he's learned and how awesome gymnastics is and 
So I can't imagine what else it would be. But I know a lot of vegans got upset. There was a, I'm sure you, I don't know if you remember the parkour athlete, Timothy Sheaf. I remember him because he he had he was a hater of the raw bros. He actually oh, hated okay. on us when we stopped eating only raw vegan. Right. Like why the raw bros fail? I think that's what it was called. <laughs> why the raw bros failed? Yeah. Well, he made a response video to Ito and was just like, "Oh, you know, check out this." Like he was one arm handstanding and doing all these crazy parkour moves and just like vegans can't train da da da. And it's funny because he later then started eating meat again as well. Oh, you know, and I also know about him because then he told this story about like waking up in the morning wood. Well, uh, I think he ate salmon and had like a wet dream. Okay, so I ate salmon and had morning wood and I told this story. <laughs> and this, I think that's the video he, he hated on. Wow. How full circle is this? Timothy, we got to get you on the show and see if this is true. Is wow. that his name, Timothy? Tim, yeah, Timothy Sheep. Timothy Sheep. Like <laughs> does he live in the UK or does... Uh, I'm not sure where uh, he lives. Like he's I like think British he is or something. English, yeah. Um, British versus English. Do you understand what that means? No clue. <laughs> okay. Maybe British is old, like the older term because it's not called Great Britain anymore. <laughs> well, Edo, I'm going to keep on this topic because Edo is a hot topic for the Rob Raz and myself. And I was just like thinking, like I want to interview him again. That would be cool. I mean, like Man, why not? That would be awesome. Like. 10, 15 years later or something. <laughs> yeah, and so you got Timothy. You can get me this time. Timothy did a great job with that interview. That was a really pivotal point for, I think, Nako's career, Rob Rao's career, and Edo's career. Wow. And it all just came together in this one video. I remember editing it on an airplane ride. I remember that. Dang. And I remember thinking, because I was, it was actually good to edit it on the airplane ride with headphones on because I could really, um, if, if someone was watching the video um, in a loud environment, what it would sound like. Mm -hmm. And that was part of my editing process. I remember that whole thing. Goodness gracious. And no one, I didn't know Edo. A lot of people didn't know who Edo was before. No, no. Timothy just like connected. And I, I heard about Edo from, I, I believe, an Elliot Hulse video. Oh, wow. So where he was talking about like body weight training being the best. And he was like, you got to check out this guy, like Edo Portal. And then I searched him and I found that, that interview. Um, and then Elliot's a friend of ours as well. It's not tech, he's not on this 100 plus episodes of the Breaking Normal podcast. I've interviewed him elsewhere anyway. El Elliot's a maniac too, a lovely maniac. It's an interesting thing to think how full circle it is with that, you know, the, a pivotal moment for all those careers. And that's how I found Ito, and that's how Matt found Ito. And like, that's why I came to Boulder is because I met Matt at a seminar and I needed a teacher. And so I moved across the country just to learn from him. And that's why I'm even here in front of you. And that's why, <laughs> that's why he's here with that school when you're picking him up. And that's a, it's just a funny kind of karmic whole thing. It's all so fascinating. It's so amazing. It's all spiritual. Totally. It's all spiritual. <laughs> all right. So Ido, Ido, Ido Portal. Seems to be a very controversial figure, but he seems to be like some sort of like at the top of this lineage that a lot of people, like you're saying, are a part of. Mm -hmm. What is it? That, what do you got to say about Edo or Ido? I feel like some people would be scared to answer that question. Mm -hmm. The way I, I mean, I, lo I love what I know about him, but I've never met him in person, so I don't have much to say. Yeah, so I've only met him in person one time, and it was actually when I was at work, when I worked at the fresh times local restaurant oh, wow. um because zach my teacher brought him and uh his 
very close student in for lunch and I got to serve him. <laughs> but I've never oh, learned wow, from him that's, directly. That's interesting. Synchronicity as well. Fresh times for sure. We are in fresh times. Yes, that's that's true. Um, but, you know, I think, I think Ito's a genius and I think, you know, he's been one of the most impactful thinkers or thought leaders in this, you know, quote, movement sphere or field in recent decades. You know, he's put words to a lot of what people were doing and have done for a long time and ideas and philosophies and perspectives that have been there. But no one was so directly articulating it in the way that he has. And, you know, I think he's a beautiful synthesizer of information. I think he's a very very good learner and sort of person that can break things down and understand them at a deep level and he's sifted through so much material in the time that he's been here um, he's really been a missionary for this one thing and really gone all out at it and you know bears a lot of fruits and yeah he's also a controversial guy you know um, although I've never learned from him being on the in inside of that kind of culture that he's created, I've, you know, gotten to see certain things from a distance and heard many a story about all manner of things having to do with his personal life and relationships, et cetera. And, you know, it's, I, I think it really speaks to the complexity of people and complexity of human beings as well. Yeah, I can relate to a lot of that. The one um and this one thing being what? What is this one thing? The movement. And what is that? Yeah, the movement practice. This is the big question. Um and it's really difficult to <laughs> paint a full picture in even one conversation or a dozen conversations, but you know, the movement practice may, maybe has a few different levels of understanding to start. And uh, the first one would be that, you know, a lot of people already kind of have practices in their life where they do a, a number of things. They might go running and do some weight training and go to yoga and, you know, maybe like learn salsa dancing on the side or go to jujitsu class or any of those things. So level one of the movement perspective to me is realizing that all those things are the same thing. And they're connected and that the thing that runs through all of them that relates them to each other is that they're all movement. Um, and on even a more like quantum physics level, I mean, everything is movement. So that's, yeah, that's what I would, I'd go to like level two and say, so then outside of the sort of named quantifiable practices that you engage in, the realization that you're moving all the time. You're moving all day. You're moving when you're sleeping. You're moving when you're breathing. You're moving when you're talking. Your eyes looking around, blinking. The movement of your hormones, the movement of your emotions, the movement of your cells, um, you know, the movement of everything that goes on in nature from the wind and the elements to the, the relationship of the microorganisms in the soil to the, the mycelium in the soil and all of these organisms, all of these things are movement. 
and it's this broadening of that word and what it means and this phrase life is movement right because when you cease to live you cease to move um is that true though like is a as a, a dead body or a bone doesn't it still have movement on that quantum level or no Hmm. Maybe on a quantum level. I, I don't want to speak. At, yeah, I'm just kind of pondering term. out loud. I almost feel like I'm digging myself a hole because I'm like, I'm not sh- sure if that's my pay grade if you, if they say how they say it. Right. Well, you're right in a way, right? Because even that decomposition is the movement of your tissues back into the elements from which they were created. Because the same. But ele- then is that you anymore? That dead body. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, this would go to. <laughs> sort of a perspective I've heard Paul Check share a lot of what is you and sort of the little s self versus the capital S self, that, that capital S self being sort of what we're saying, which is that, well, the elements of your body, water, you know, earth, which could be your bones or connective tissue or anything that sort of holds structure, the air of your body, right? We're all breathing right now. And the fire of your body, which is essentially your metabolism. These are all just made of the same exact elements that everything is made of. And the, the five most common things that you're made of are the five most common elements in the universe, right? It's like carbon, oxygen, nitrogen, uh, hydrogen, and uh, you know something else that I'm not remembering. But when you die, you just become what you once were. Um, And this realization that those same elements that are in your body essentially came from stars and nebulas and black hole, they came from everywhere in the universe. And so what you are on a fundamental level is the universe. And that's uh, pretty deep, but but so is the concept of movement. And this is why Ito is such a powerful thinker and it's why so many people have started to dedicate their lives to just researching this vague, broad subject. Hmm. Wow. So, where, did we get to the third pillar? We, you know, kind of got that, like the practices, then kind of life is movement, everything is movement. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there's a third pillar yet. Uh, okay. I'm sure there is, but yeah, be, it starts to become, like Ito coined this phrase, a life practice. And you can reach a life practice with anything actually, but you can do it really well with movement where it becomes a practice where you're always practicing, you know, you're because practicing just means, are you embodied? Are you aware? Uh, Awareness is one of those sort of meta qualities that dips into everything. And that's how it all becomes related. That's how you can relate what you learn in a martial arts class to your dance. And you see that they're the same thing, not just at their movement, but you're seeing them as the same thing on a deeper level. Yeah, I guess this gets to why like language is so tricky. And how I remember how language is so tricky is how I remember the Tao Te Ching and how it starts and how like the best way of taking the power away from something is naming it mm-hmm. and i think of like a wild newborn animal or a wild baby <laughs> newborn wild baby <laughs> just like there's no names for everything that's happening it's just sheer probably awe and awareness mm-hmm. and yeah that is a that sounds like the state to practice to be in yeah i think ito has expressed that sentiment that words don't 
contain these ideas well. Um, I found in the, the movement culture that there, because of that idea, that people don't, they just give up on trying to describe it at all, which I also think does it a disservice in on the other side of the spectrum. Oh yeah, I'm all about, I'm all about aiming to explore it, but at the same time, it's like almost the ultimate paradox, and that's why when we started the conversation, I was like, oh, you can do one arm chin, chin up, you can do a one arm handstand. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about those things because those are accomplishments. <laughs> Um, and then Matt Bernstein has a little future shout out to remembering the future of him being on the show. What's y'all's connection? So I went to I went to an Ido Portal workshop in 2014. Who is the owner of Apeco? Just to reiterate that for people right, that, yeah. that don't know what we're talking about, Matt's that guy that I gave the ride to. This sheer synchronicity that's inevitably right. going to be on the show. So there's and, a lot more context. And he's my teacher. He's been my teacher for almost six years now. So my teacher, you know, that's a phrase that not everyone uses. That seems like kind of like a phrase in martial arts world. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, there's another Edo influence, uh, this distinction between being like a coach or a trainer and a teacher. Oh, really? Or See? a mentor, really. I was thinking about that too, yeah. Yeah. I Tell think, me more. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think a teacher is, I, I don't think every coach or trainer is a teacher. And that that word is is aiming at something deeper, someone that you know impacts your life on a greater level than just giving you information. And Matt's definitely done that for me, like you know, perhaps more than more than anyone. Um, but I, I, so I met him at at an Edo seminar. I went to I went to one in 2014 in Canada. And a second one in 2015 at the same gym, they hosted a different event, uh, which wasn't taught by Ido, by the way. Like I said, I hadn't, I didn't meet him until he came to eat at my restaurant. <laughs> That's his, so cool how that his, works out. His right-hand man and and uh, girl taught it, and it was is, amazing. Is that when you say who are the right man and girl? Because I wonder if I met them. Johnny Sapinoso and Odelia Goldschmidt. So yep, check this out. I was in. Uh, Bondi Beach. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or somewhere near Bondi. He's Beach. huge in Australia. No, no, somewhere in Sydney. I was somewhere in Sydney walking the boardwalk. And sure enough, I met I ran, ran and I saw those two people training on the playground and I was like, wait a minute, what the f-? I'm like, wait, that's the girl. And so I ran up to them. I, I somehow we met. So I met them. I met them in Sydney, right. Australia. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're his diehards. So anyway, they ran the event and I met Matt at the second one in twenty fifteen. And I was just doing my thing on my own in Arizona for a few years. And I had decided to move here. Uh, actually, when Matt still didn't even have the space open, I had decided to move here. Because I was just, you know, I was like, oh, man, this is great, but I just need a teacher. And, you know, a month after I had made that decision, he had announced that he was opening the facility. And I was just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so I moved here about a month after they opened. Oh, wow. Wow, what a cool web we're in! Uh, but this, I like this little distinguishment because because you said my teacher. Are you saying what was it? What about coach or mentor? Um, yeah, I mean Matt. Matt's really taught me a lot about life in general. The you know the biggest lesson I really got in living here the first couple of years was just about community, and power, and the importance of community. And it you know it wasn't anything movement related. And I came here thinking I was going to learn one thing and 
the most impactful thing was something else entirely that I didn't even know <laughs> that I that I didn't know. And yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's just been there as a friend, as a mentor, as a, you know, a role model in many ways for, for years now. He's seen me, he's seen me make more real life mistakes and triumphs and achievements and failures than my parents in many ways. Wow. When I moved here, I was, it was, it was sort of my hero's journey. And, um, yeah, he was just, he's always there and he's been so supportive and, yeah, I I feel like me and him have an unspoken thing that, uh, you know, he's he's just always been there, man. You have an unspoken thing? Yeah, just I don't even know how to describe. Oh, okay, nice. Well, um, that's so, it's so cool because I remember this, well, this is, first of all, it's like, what a great, what, um, trust Matt will listen to this and then it'll be, it'll be great to like keep following up with this conversation and just see where it leads because there seems to be a thread to this community mm-hmm. of Ido Portal, Paul Check. Elliot holds the raw bras, me and you and Matt. I'm just like, it's just like, uh, I almost feel like it's people that took advantage. It's like a community of people that used the internet as a tool rather than being a, like a self-abusive weapon, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people have gotten like lost in social media and the internet, but it sounds like a lot of us know each other because we were intentional about like looking for inspiring things on the web and then integrating that into our real life aka taking action making some movement around it so i think it's cool and so and matt stoked to have you here whenever you get here and i'm stoked to find out this connection i was like a moment for a moment i was like um inspired to when you mentioned like the difference between a teacher and a mentor and a coach and i started writing another word down like guru I started thinking, like, I thought maybe you had a little idea around what distinguishes those words, particularly for you. That's what I was intrigued by. Mm-hmm. But I don't really care to expound unless you want to. Mm. I almost left it. I remembered it. Yeah, I think, I'm not sure. It's something for me to reflect on. <laughs> I think a teacher is a title that, that is earned. I don't think everyone's a teacher. And everyone's trying to teach now, you know, including me. <laughs> everyone, everyone thinks they should be a teacher and, and educate people on whatever they're into. And I think it's a tall order to really become a teacher, um, someone that's a good teacher, someone that doesn't just isn't just good at something, but can really articulate and reach people, a variety of people, a large variety of people. Um, they can see who's in front of them. They can meet people where they're at. And I don't, I don't think that's so easy. And I don't think it's very common, especially nowadays, because you can just so easily become certified in things. You can just do a two-day workshop or study for six weeks and get a piece of paper that says you're qualified to teach or lead people. And, you know, I, I have a personal trainer cert, but I don't, I don't even tell people that. I, I purely want to, you know, have my merit based on what I can do, what I know, what my experience is, my experience teaching other people already, um, my experience problem solving. And I believe that's, that's something that makes a teacher is they really have been there, they really have experience, 
they're not just talking the talk um, and that they're teaching works with people that they don't just have results with themselves yeah that's a lot of cool topics to consider consider especially the like paradox for me like the paradox of the best way of learning is teaching in mm. my opinion that's like if you want to master something you could teach it yeah I agree so there's a little something funny with that as well like fun to there's just I, I just think life is quite paradoxical mm-hmm. you're right <laughs> Ito, Ito has also mentioned about you know if you're a teacher it should be as though you just have this burning desire to to do that you know that it's just like coming out of you to communicate this thing and you know because you're so interested in it I love that idea that to be interesting you need to be interested for sure for sure yeah you know I'm thinking about like different people I've learned things from and that definitely applies if the person is like just nonchalantly going through the motions of regurgitating something for a paycheck versus you can tell this is their life's passion mm-hmm. maybe that's what a teacher is totally versus a coach maybe i don't know it depends, it depends. yeah it's I mean, a fun thing to explore these words are all you know it's it's a game of language right because i offer online coaching i don't offer online teaching but i don't I, I, I still think about it like teaching and I really try to have that impact on anyone I work with. I don't just try to give them a workout, but I try to educate them. Yeah, I do want to figure out exactly what you are offering as online coaching. And I want to make sure that uh, since we're talking about paradoxes or weird things, especially culturally, um movement i think culture needs to be in movement i think that's one of the just like water it's just like almost everything it's more healthy if it's a nice mm-hmm. movement but um it's a bit concerning where uh the culture our current culture is moving you feel led to i know i know you have a lot of probably stories beliefs ideas maybe controversial ones for some people i'm probably more aligned with them but what do you think is going on right now because and I'll say that preface, I may have said this to you earlier, but like uh, 1984, did you read that one? Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you, I read it in high school. Yeah, you consume a lot. That's a, You're like a maven of sorts. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word, but you are definitely, you, you, the way you described Ito, Ito could be how you describe yourself in a way. As a side note, if you rewind and listen to it. Mm. Um, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so... I, that book, for instance, of many amongst many things, that's I thought it was supposed to be a cautionary tale, but it seems as if it's like people are using it as a guidebook, or it was maybe it was a prophecy. Uh, that's the one way to put it. What I think that's just a little teaser to see what you have to say. I'm curious because you've been in LA recently, you've been in Arizona, you're in Colorado, you've moved around during this. Um, do you do you call it a pandemic or a pandemic or a scandemic? What do you call it? I normally refer to it as the global quote situation. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, it's been an interesting time for sure. Uh, I've been seeing internet jokes about, you know, we swear George Orwell had a time machine. <laughs> mm. Um, mm. 
That's a good meme. That's another thing you've been doing lately is making memes about movement. I have. Uh, I've been the movement meme guy. I've become that George Orwell time machine. That's a good one. <laughs> that's the best. That's like, see, that's a, it's hard to like wrap. Uh, how do you describe a meme? You know, I've probably described it a few times here. Mm. Or do you have a description for memes or memetics or what that even means? Well, yeah, it's an interesting question. You know, Richard Dawkins originally coined the term meme, I believe. Maybe not, but he defined a meme as the, it's the idea intellectual equivalent of a gene. So a meme is the smallest reducible part of an idea that just like a gene wants to reproduce itself mm. um, and spread like a virus. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, the more modern incarnation of these internet memes involve images and text. And I think, you know, the, it's, I think there's some different styles, but for the most part, it's using the medium of comedy. And it's such a fascinating meme, uh, <laughs> meme, meme medium. It's a fascinating medium because that image can really add life to the text. So it's much more powerful than just the written word. You can really hear inflection and gesture and sort of parts you can't just get with written speech. Uh, it's not as it's not as much info as say a video, but yeah, the way that people are using them is so fascinating. And and now you have like templates, right? People reuse the same image, and they'll they'll pimp it out for whatever their particular topic they're making fun of is like i oh like that recent jake paul uh knockout punch to tyron woodley uh -huh. there's like memes i mean or gifs I mean, totally do you, like i guess i would consider a gif yeah. a meme of GIF's sorts. same thing uh -huh. yeah a gif what does gif stand for graphic image formation i, don't know I have no idea <laughs> anyways that's gonna be a meme and i've already seen like right when i saw that knockout punch because i saw it when it happened well actually my the Computer froze literally. That was crazy. Right before it hit, but then we saw the replays. Right, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is gonna be a meme craze for sure." I mean, there's probably a new one made by the time we're done recording. Oh, this. I'm sure people have made dozens. I mean, just yeah, like today. a new viral one. Who knows? So you make these memes about movement, <laughs> mm -hmm. and you're bringing up memetics now, and like a great book about memetics. Have you read Virus of the Mind? Haven't. That's a good one. That Sounds one breaks great. it down. I'll write that down. Virus of the mind. Um, you you described it well. <laughs> so, anywho, did I did I divert from the the memetics that are currently running our society that you were talking about? Did you? Oh, right. Well, yeah, George uh, Orwell having a time machine. But oh, yeah, that's the one that distracted me. That's a good meme. That's a great yeah, yeah. example of a meme. But as far as our society, you know, I I'm not uh, a sociologist or some expert on the subject, but I think I'm seeing a lot of very unsettling things happening with things like groupthink and mass psychology, psychology of crowds, um, propaganda and narrative manipulation, manipulation of information, uh, censorship of information, perhaps one of the most unsettling pieces of it all. And yeah, I, mean, I could go on, you know, various 
various enforcements or attempted enforcements of particular practices or procedures having to conform to certain things as such to engage in what you used to be able to engage in freely. Um, I'm trying not to beat around the bush, but also <laughs> be pretty direct in what I'm calling it. Um, what are you seeing going on with our society? What you know? What do you think about all that? Well, I mean, you said groupthink, mass psychology, propaganda, censorship, coercion. I don't know if you use the word coercion. I wrote that one. No, but I, you know, I'd go as far as to say that. Yeah, I mean, there's the. What I would say is that it's like I think it's embedded in my DNA to be on guard about this, or maybe it's embedded in my ancestral thing, <laughs> like the body, or you know, my grandparents. Like I was alive, I'm, I'm alive, and my grandparents are alive, but they're alive, and I'm here because they were defiant to groupthink, mass psychology, propaganda, censorship, and coercion. Yeah, they they said no to all those things. Mm. And so when those things are so in front of me, yeah, I mean, it's like an effing war zone out there with these matrix enforcers trying to get me to block my smile <laughs> and my breath. Like, you know, I hear all kinds of stories all around, all around the world. But I'll tell you what, here in Boulder, lately for me, um, there's a few places that and I'm not going to say their names because I don't want to get them in trouble. I'm actually, now I realize people are like headhunt. I think like Boulder health board like hired independent contractors to like find places that weren't enforcing the mask so that they can then like threaten them with legal fees or jail time. It's mm -hmm. just like this whole coercion attempt. Um, so I know some places where they don't, they will never ask because they see through what's going on. They're just kind of playing in the game. They have like the stupid signs up and their employees might be wearing them, but they're not going to ever pester you about a vaccine or a mask but there's places lately have gone and people are hunting me down if i don't have a mask on mm -hmm. and it is nutty it is highly concerning because i could see how this could easily i mean i think i feel like a lot of people that are doing their own volition like their own volition like there's not it's not even their manager or someone that told them they're just Maybe they mentioned it, but they get like I do think, and I wrote this today. My I wrote this is a quote. My own I quoted myself because other people liked it when I was hanging out with another night. But like I do believe so many people are desperate for the illusion of power that there's finally like a socially kind of acceptable way to play with that, and it's gross. It is gross what people some people do with a little with a little taste of power, and I mean that on the largest scale to like the pharmaceutical companies like in bed with the politicians and i mean it at the smallest scale where like sad nancy never felt like she had any power and she's gonna go her mission in life is gonna be harassing people about the effing uh, part of the face of their their toxic face diapers covering their nose or not and, and acting like she's doing a righteous thing for humanity by like hunting those people down like I gotta jump in the creek. Good thing there's a cold creek right nearby. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of these underlying things in people's character were always there, and this whole situation has just given it a place to to manifest for 
a lot of people to see, like wanting power over other people, like wanting to virtue signal about things. Um, yeah, it's it's unsettling. I, I'm thankful, like you said, the past you know a bit over a year, I've been traveling a, quite a bit in Arizona and LA and Vegas and Telluride and and now back here in Boulder, and I've had I think only one real incident of going to the grocery store not wearing a mask and anybody saying anything about it. Um, and I think most people are really scared of conflict. Um, but then you have the other side, like you've just encountered, where, you know, some might call them mask Nazis, you know, people wanting to just... I mean, I, honestly, that's what I really think. This might offend some people. But, but when I had that interaction or when I've had those type of interactions, I think, like I've, I haven't said this to them, but I... I've, said, I've asked myself, I'm like, I wonder, like, they would have probably been great Nazis. These people would have been really good at that. Well, that's, and I'm saying, that's extreme. I know it's extreme, and I, but it does alarm me. It alarms me because it, like, hints at what I think my grandparents were experiencing. Like, do what? <laughs> Wait, what's going on? Yellow stars? Wait, what? Gas chambers? What? That was now that the, the people are still alive that survived that. That's why I'm so confused at how this is working so well. This whole uh, coercion of like the tech world taking over, hmm. and tech—that's a loaded statement. I don't know who. I don't know what this is. I don't know if it's like just like an, a virus of the collective, because there seems to be a little bit of a psychosis of the collective going on on the front lines of the civilians. Absolutely definitely some sort of psychosis i've seen i've seen holocaust survivors on like videos of them speaking out about what's going on i recently saw a quote that said what we learn from history is that we don't learn from history and i feel like we're seeing that because you have you know especially a lot of young people especially a lot of young liberal very really well-meaning good-hearted deep down people that have just totally been manipulated into buying narratives that are just not the case. And those narratives push on emotional manipulation because those people are good and they want to care about other people and they want to be seen as good. They want to think of themselves as good and they really believe what they're doing is right. I don't believe it's this maniacal evil thing for most of them. Um, those same very young people didn't grow up learning about, you know, everyone learns about the Holocaust in school, but most people have not learned about any of the other atrocities committed in the 20th century by governments like the Soviet Union, like Maoist China, like Lenin, like uh, Stalin, like a lot of these guys. Um, you know, most people don't know about uh, Southeast Asia and how communist socialism ideas have played out there or, uh, you know, places like Venezuela, places like, you know, what else? You know, the list is long of these places where communist socialist ideals have already been implemented and what results is the mass murder of a people by government <laughs> um, it's not this hippie, free, 
communal chill society where everyone gets paid the same and everyone is just an artist that creates art all day it ends in people getting dragged off to gulags people taking to gas chambers people being murdered in the hundreds of thousands you know i think i think the total in the 20th century alone is like 250 million deaths just by governments by socialist governments and we're not seeing how these little little imperceptible infringements on your daily life add up and have just a very slippery slope what were pe- what were the conspiracy theorists warning about uh, one year ago vaccine passports vaccine mandates uh you know any of these types of things and everyone said you're a crack you're a crackpot you're a quack you're a tinfoil hat and now we're here and you have the same people that called them quacks shaming people for not wanting to quote do their part and go get their third or fourth shot so that they can see grandma for christmas <laughs> i know that was a lot but. well you know this it's it's been a big deal it's a big deal um especially since the virus was released and then since the pandemic was declared and we're still just like a couple of years into it and it seemingly is getting crazier in some places um, yeah, I'm looking I'm looking at Australia on your globe right now. And for those of you that don't know what's happening in Australia, I challenge you to go to DuckDuckGo and have a little search for Australia and the, quote, wellness camps that they're constructing. You know, it, I, I have a lot of movement friends in Australia that I talk with regularly, and a lot of them are not uh, handling what's going on there well. And same thing in Canada. I mean, this stuff is unsettling, and people still think you're a conspiracy theorist for talking about where this could go, like things like a social credit score and, you know, needing to undergo, needing to consume a particular product from a company, because that's what it is, that just happens to have paid the largest criminal fine in U.S. or world history and to, to go to go get your groceries or to go see a movie or a concert and they think that that's fine and that that's how it should be and that anyone that is not for that is a menace to society and that you know in my view that's a big issue <laughs> to put it lightly yeah man you and a dangerous virus a, da- a really dangerous virus is groupthink that's a dangerous virus mm-hmm for sure. Not saying that this one is not dangerous, but like if the more I've looked into this, to the statistics, they're not like always changing, but seemingly like more reliable sources. It seems like it's the C word one here that currently caused such a ruckus or is like the Trojan horse for this whole ruckus is like, um, it seems less fatal than the flu for people under 60 maybe more for over 60. And that might be because a lot of how it was handled. Like I've been, I, I started listening. I'm almost done actually with the truth about COVID book from Ricola. Oh yeah. I've read that. You did. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's great. Cool. I mean, that, I mean like people, I trust people are aware of that side of the story. Sometimes I get the idea that people just uh, listen to one like news anchor and makes that their idol. Because uh, if you don't know about censorship and like algorithms and stuff, it might be really smart to get a second opinion for some of your news sources or maybe like a 
20th or 30th opinion. Like I imagine you do. I imagine you have a lot of opinions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, it's funny. You mentioned Mercola. I followed him for years before this happened just for his health info. And then naturally, you know, there's a number of guys, Sean Stevenson, who runs the model health show podcast, uh, Mike Mutzel, who has uh, high intensity health metabolic Mike online. All these guys I'd followed for years just for their health information. And then this happened and they started naturally talking about this because it's highly related with your general health status. And they're just getting, I mean, they're just taking it with all the criticism and attempted censorship and stabs at their character because they're, you know, they, they really care about helping people get healthy. And I do as well. You know, I, and again, I'm not, I, we, neither of us said this thing wasn't dangerous. I think it's not dangerous to certain demographics. And I also think that it's upsetting and curious that there's been almost no talk about how to be healthy, how to eat properly, how much movement you should get how much sunlight you should get, you know, taking all of these things that we know, we now have information on directly about COVID and their effect, vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, quercetin, ivermectin, remdesivir, uh, hydroxychloroquine, and the list is long. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you caught that recent Joe Rogan podcast with Peter McCullough. Oh, yeah, I recommend that one. I mean, I think I've seen a lot of my friends recommending them trusting that whoever wanted to see it has seen it. But if you yeah. haven't, um, it's a pretty good summary. Oh, yeah. And I'm that, just like, finally, someone would like, the, he, he gave himself a lot of credentials, which is cool, fine, fine. Because maybe that's what it takes for some people to be uh, um, primed mm -hmm. to receive certain information. So he's an expert. He gave a bunch of expert information that was pretty much in line with what I thought, but it is definitely not what most people think. At least right. in Boulder, maybe in, like in Georgia, maybe it is, mm -hmm. or maybe in Florida, it is for sure. Yeah, but it's just like I trust other people at least know about this information, and that's a fun interview to listen to. So yeah, I'd recommend that one. Right, and so I just bring him up. Yeah, I won't. We don't need to go into it deeply, but I think it's curious. There's been no talk about health, and I think it's curious what he brought up, which is that we don't have any early treatment for people that get sick with this thing. We we have no or very poor early treatment and this could be a, this could be having a huge impact on people's outcomes and the severity of their outcomes well not only uh, just uh, just in case someone's really in the dark about this there is early treatment but a lot of it's being like banned right things like monoclonal antibodies sketchy yeah it it it, it, this is where it's just very easy to make the jump to a slightly more inferring some ulterior motive into people in power and why they might be making the decisions that they're making because we keep getting told it's about public health and it just doesn't really seem that way because we're not talking about public health and how to have that in general when there's mountains of information about your health status and its impact on the outcome if you happen to get sick with this particular pathogen. And that upsets me because when this first started, it was this thing of like, well, we can't, you know, we, we need these measures, we need six feet, we need diapers, we need all of this because 
you can't improve your health overnight. Well, it's been 22 months now, and we're still not hearing about it. And we're just being incentivized, coerced, pressured, whatever you want to call it, to undergo this particular medical treatment, which is not even showing great effectiveness depending on where you get your information from. But as, as far as I've understood, it is not the most effective. And yeah, it's just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't... It sounds like it's also historically deadly. What? The vaccine. To some, perhaps. I mean, like the amount... Mercola goes into that. Yeah. That, that, like, I'm just kind of quoting... To, to continuously quote the guy from the Joe Rogan podcast that you just referenced. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Uh, Peter McCullough. Oh, wait a minute. I thought it was like, is that the Attila? Is that the most recent one where he was telling how many people have died from the vaccine? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that, okay. I might just not Right, the, the VAERS database is, I saw a pie chart about the of the VAERS database and all their numbers, and the COVID one has, you know, it's, it's deaths, but it's all adverse events. It is. It was over half the pie chart now. Out of all the vaccines we've ever had administered, ever, <laughs> or since we had the system, which was it was created in the in the eighties. But okay, so you're saying astounding. that might not be historically true. There might be vaccines that have been more deadly than these so far. No, 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 no. I don't think so. No, yeah. I'm saying the COVID. The the this one vaccine had over half the pie chart. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's like. And then, and then when you hear about those stories getting censored or re-diverted with like an ad, it's scary. It's like, Big Brother, we are watching. Yeah, as soon as you mention certain words in your Instagram story, you know there's going to be a button at the bottom so that if anybody catches themselves critically thinking, no, 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 you know, we, ha- we have all of the answers right here for you. You know, we don't, we, you don't need to uh, do your own research or anything. We've, we've got you covered. But it's still consensual-based. You still have to click on the ad. It's not mandated. It is it's consensual. True. It is just, no one, has anyone ever put a mask on you? They haven't. Has anyone ever jabbed you with a vaccine? They haven't. Without your consent? Nope. It's consensual. This is how I think, and from my, my, my limited understanding, and maybe some intuition, and maybe something I've heard from others, it seems like the spiritual world is consensual. Mm-hmm. It is. It is consensual. You have to make the decision to make an appointment and get in your car and go there and sit there while they uh, do it up. It's a lot to consider. And, you know, I might just be crazy. Like, some people might try to use this, like, when I'm saying, like, they could take snippets out of it and talk how crazy I am. But I think if you understand the golden thread of what we're talking about, there is some glaring issues and, like, negligence of the new media. Like, media is being, neg- I mean, beyond negligent. What's it called, like, when you're actually dangerous to people? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> the legal term for that. I'm not sure. I, yeah, I think it's just criminal negligence. She's like Louise, but when you start censoring information from doctors and they're helping people out. Well, that's, I mean, that's read. not just negligent, that's malice. Yeah, that yeah. might be the word malice. Yeah, that's, that's dangerous. And this is an example where history tells all because we know as soon as you start attacking free speech, you get some very sketchy things going on. Because if you can't say what you want to say and you can't have open discourse about an issue, 
where the best the best argument wins. The best idea wins. Why is Fauci not debating somebody on this topic of what we need and what measures make sense based on the actual numbers? Why is there no dialogue about this? It's just a top-down dictation. And yeah, it's it's consensual to click on the button, but it's not consensual if you put out certain ideas and say certain words that you get your content pulled down and those people won't even get to see it. Oh, but it's consensual that you're using their platform in the first place. It's true. And one idea that might challenge that is the idea of these companies end up becoming monopolies. Oh, I don't think it's like, I I was saying this in the spiritual world specifically. Mm. It seems to be very consensual to me. I can't, I'm I'm not so sure if it's a hundred percent, but it seems that way. I can tell. Now and the and it gets real twisted. This physical iteration, like the 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 amount of manipulation and coercion that can go into like giving someone, getting them dependent on your paycheck, and then saying you're going to take that away, and you have a whole family to feed. I could see how someone would be like, "Wait, this is not consensual." Like yeah. they might feel it's unconsensual, but it's just like when I'm saying, like, "Well, if Instagram censors me, I chose to use Instagram. If they take your money away, you chose to get, use money. Like I'm the I choose to use money." Which it's, might be a problem, but <laughs> not really. No. Yeah, it's I, true. I love playing the game of money. It's fun. And that's what the other side will say is you can look, you're free to not get this medical treatment. You know, that's just that's gonna have certain consequences. Oh yeah, I think that's unethical, considering the context. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but I, from a deeper perspective, you know, like everything is a choice. Absolutely. I'm with you. <sighs> but it is unfair. Oh yeah, on the literal game of uh, this government, like the way our current culture was set up before this, it is unfair how they're using, is that called a Trojan horse? Like you're using this whole thing they released to start tying, like co- coercing people into new ideals. It's kind of crazy. It's amazing. It's really, it's a real amazing time to be alive. Mm-hmm. It's when we're really, do, I, we really, I think I, for me, I really get to see how like, What's more, I've said it before, but I'm starting to really wonder what's more powerful than an idea? What's more powerful than an idea? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just touch on something you said, and it's just related to the first question about what we're seeing with society. You know, and I'm, I live in America. I've only been in America during this whole situation. And when I look at America, I see a, a nation that's been incredibly ideologically subverted. And that's not just my opinion, but you have, uh, you know, defectors from, say, the KGB that have talked about how it's been a goal in the East to ideologically subvert the U.S. for decades at this point. But that it takes, you know, 30 or 40 years to educate a generation and bring them up with certain ideals that we're seeing so much of right now, whether this is the whole world of social justice and, you know, this critical race theory, critical gender theory, critical fat studies, all of these types of things. Um, you know, the rise in popularity of communism and socialism. This is all young people that are attracted to these ideas, and it's largely young people on these social media platforms. Um, I really do believe there's a silent majority of people that more view the whole thing happening like we do 
but that they're just not on Instagram because Instagram is 20 to 35 year olds mainly. And um, those young people are that generation that have been brought up to endorse these kind of ideas. And we're seeing it with movements like veganism, movements like antinatalism, movements like, uh, you know, critical race theory. Say and this what? whole antinatalism? What is that? That's the movement of people beginning to not have children oh, in, in relation to climate change and all of this. The whole climate justice movement, the whole... Uh, so not, not, be fruitful, not be fruitful and multiply, but um, be sterile and comply. Right. Well, I mean, as, interesting as you're well aware how important animal products are for your hormone production and your reproductive health, it's just so in line with veganism and it's so in line with what we're seeing right now with this particular therapy that we don't know, but we do know some interesting things like the spike protein, which is the active component, accumulates in the ovaries of women. You know, I don't know if you've heard Robert Malone, the inventor of the mRNA technology, talk about we have imaging of this. The spike protein seems to accumulate in the ovaries and I don't need to make any conspiratorial depopulation ideas, but that's a really interesting thing. That's a really interesting fact about this particular thing. And I don't know what to make of it, but if there was such an agenda at, that, that is aforementioned, I mean, that seems to me like a prime indication that something like that is happening or intended. I know that's, uh, you know, I will probably get hate Instagram messages after this for claiming some crazy things, but that's that's perfectly okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, that I've heard a lot about that. Where the spike protein ends up in what organs? Does it end up in all of them? I'm I'm not certain. I have heard the ovaries thing. Perhaps it ends up in all of them, but apparently it, a lot of them accumulate there. It's just it's curious. I think anybody, any expert, we hard pressed to. Give me some context on why that's the case. You know, that phrase, by the way, I just want to not slur my speech this time and say it properly. But I like that phrase that came out of my mouth. <laughs> be fruitful and multiply or be sterile and comply. Mm. kind of like that as a meme, talking about memes. Mm. Anyways. That's a good one. That, might, that, that could be the title of this podcast. <laughs> be fruitful and multiply <laughs> or be sterile and comply. That one could get that one could cause some ruckuses. Um, now you teach online. You know we're approaching that hour, eleven minutes. Uh, you, you only teach online. And what do you? What do you? Or coach, teach? What you do? What you do if someone wants to reach out? How can you help them? Uh, yeah, I teach online. I coach people uh, remotely online. I also train, teach, coach people in person. Uh, if you want to do, you know, the a more typical personal training thing, but I just teach movement. I teach people the, to bring a practice into their life. I teach them to have a more holistic relationship with their bodies, with themselves, with their physical practices. And, uh, you know, we get all of the things that people are after in their pursuit of more traditional fitness, like, you know, building muscle and getting better cardio. And What do you think most people want? What, like a six-pack abs or something? I think people want to feel... Like 
good about the way that they look, their aesthetics, and I think feel good how they look. And that then all that all of a sudden that becomes very psychological. Yeah. Well, some of the people that I know they're like the fittest I've ever seen are like really self conscious about their pinky toe. <laughs> Seriously. That's totally a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people want to improve their image. I think other people are interested in things like strength and flexibility they want to be able to do awesome stuff yeah so i feel like people want to do like splits or at least people i hang out they want to do a split they want to do one on hands and they want to do one on pull up they want to be able to do that jump they want to be able to snowboard they want to do things right yeah some people want that some people just want to feel good in their body they want to heal injuries they want to feel better they want to feel strong they want to be able to play with their kids Mm -hmm. and i uh help all these people i have clients that are dancers you know like i have one client that won so you think you can dance in vietnam he lives in san francisco and he's going to grad school and he's a professional dancer and i have client that's like a 56 year old woman that that skis half the year and rock climbs the other half of the year sounds like she's from colorado she is uh she lives in telluride (laughs) that makes sense and yeah people of all sorts people that want to do those things i help them accomplish crazy skills like one arm handstands or splits come or on, back walkovers. What is a back walkover? Uh, like if you, from standing, you go back into a bridge and kick your feet over. Oh, nice, nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. I, mean, I like those objective goals because I think so much is unlocked along the way, whether you get there or not. Especially if, you're, if, you, especially if you get there, then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Pandora's box can open up. Right, you gain a lot just by being in pursuit of it. And yeah, I think, you know, movement... In so many ways, for many people, before all the esoteric type things, it's a vehicle to develop potential and these inner qualities of dedication and discipline and problem solving and commitment and, you know, applying those to other elements of your life because you have such a physical manifestation of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I teach people online, I teach people in person. You can find me on Instagram and see my memes and some of the stuff I do. At Grant Cherry. At Grant Cherry Three, at Grant Cherry Three, I'm being a little pushy because all of a sudden I'm looking at the podcast equipment and it like shows no battery, but we're still going. So, oh, if we get cut off, that's at Grant Cherry Three. Yeah, and then we're, we're, like the fruit cherry, right? Fruit cherry. <laughs> and then, um, well, man, uh, while we if this battery lasts, what you think about the tribe vitamins? I think tribe vitamins are amazing. Um, I originally started with the ancestral supplements, beef organ supplements. And I think the bison is just a hardier animal. And, you know, it's not science. I'm not trusting the science here, guys. But, you know, I think I, I really believe this idea of like supports like in the body and this sort of ancient wisdom. And so if you look at a cow and you look at a bison, it's like, well, that bison has kicked the crap out of that cow. <laughs> cow is kind of a modern Franken animal in a way. Bison are, you know indigenous and i mean the native american were bison worshipers um you know the comanche were bison worshipers i think there's a lot to be said for that i i put a lot of stock in ancient wisdom personally and so yeah i've I've tried the liver i've tried the testicles i've tried the heart uh and you just eat a lot of raw organs on the side as well i i do try to eat i mean it's more like the other way around it sounds like you eat a lot of you eat a lot of meat you know we stayed here a little bit together yeah this guy just was throwing slabs of meat and eating that that was it that was it i do i do enjoy the meat it's well i originally started on that path to improve my psoriasis my autoimmune condition um 
And so it wasn't, you know, in a way it wasn't through my choice. I, mm -hmm. I, that's what I have found to work for me is, you know, whether it's a spectrum of carnivore to an animal-based diet, I, I am a, you know, I don't, I don't know if there are vegans that listen to your podcast, but I sure come on, I love vegans. Yeah, I, I love, love vegans. What, too, I love whatever you call yourself, unless it's something like really unlovable, like <laughs> something I can't even say. Those breatharians. <laughs> no, I love all these people that subsist off only light. <laughs> um, do you have anything you want to make sure you say before this might cut us off? If it does, I guess it does. We're at one eleven right now, anyways. One that was one 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 one. Wow, dang, that. special moment. Uh, before we cut off, we sat down to talk about this crazy situation going on. I believe that this is an important moment in history. Personally, I believe that this is no small thing, and it's just like oh, it just happens uh, in every couple of years. I I don't. I think it's an important moment, and I think people should deeply consider what is happening and what decisions they're making, what they're supporting, whether that's just the conversations they're having amongst them and their family and their friends or the practices they're engaging in. Um, and be willing to get uncomfortable and stand up for what you believe in if you're erring on the side of freedom and bodily autonomy. Because the longer this goes on, the more I realize, and it's just setting in, we're going to have to really hold our ground here. Because this is not just going to go away so easy. And that's going to bear some consequences to hold your ground. Are you prepared for those consequences? And you know, I heard this a guy talking, this is the last thing I'll say. Uh, you know, he was talking about people that are like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not into conspiracy theories. And he was like, man, you better get into conspiracy theory before the conspiracy get into you. <laughs> uh, that's a good meme, too. And I love that. And I think about that a lot because a lot of people are there. They're like, oh, you know, it's this whole thing. Like, I, I, yeah, I have an intuition that it's kind of crazy and maybe not right. And there's some nefarious stuff going on. But it's just so much easier to just do this and go along with this and not bring this up at Thanksgiving dinner and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's just ignorance is bliss. Come on. Like, I don't want to have to, you know, just make a fuss or whatever. And it's make a fuss because to your point earlier about, you know, the mask Nazis or whatever we're seeing, if you've ever wondered what you would have done in Nazi Germany or you know, Maoist China or the Soviet Union when the Gestapo shows up and is going to drag your family off to the gulag. If you've ever wondered what you would have done, you're doing it right now. If you are outside in the sunshine on a bicycle by yourself wearing a diaper on your face, I would question what you're doing and which side of history <laughs> you're going to be on. Mm -hmm. They might just be into it to warm their face, though. If it's like really cold outside in Boulder, sometimes that warms your face. Maybe. <laughs> I like the question, though. I like the uh, contemplation there. And I will say, because I meant to mention it earlier, and we'll see if this recording allows me to, but I, part of me really thinks this is all coming down, this comes down to a fear of conflict. 
like a uh, fear of awkwardness. Um, it's just amazing. It's amazing. You know, I was, I, I remember being on a retreat. I think we were driving down Haleakala in Montana on a bus and the driver may have been going a little faster to someone's comfort in the back of the bus. And I was sitting near them and I heard them whispering like how scared they were. They were whispering how scared they were. And I was like, the bus driver's right there. Can you, and I screamed up and like, I'm like, do you want me to tell them? I'm like, are you actually concerned? Are you actually concerned for your life? And it's too scary for you to speak up. So you're just going to whisper it to someone instead of talk to who it matters. And at that moment I realized like, wow, uh, maybe it's because I grew the way I grew up. Um, I kind of fun, uh, like awkward conversations or something surprising happening. You people call it awkward. That's such a wrong word. I just think it's labeled as a bad thing, but those fun, comfortable situations and conversations are something that are so special and sacred and not to be avoided, but to be embraced. And I'm saying this while I paradoxically complain about how many awkward conversations I've had. I, it wasn't the awkwardness that was bothered me though. It was more this like, oh my gosh, I'm dealing with someone that is so under the spell of groupthink. It is scary. But the only way I could even have that experience was because I was courageous enough for someone when they said, they said, here's, here, put this mask, they said, here's a mask for you. Or can you put this mask on? And I say, no. And then fun, weird things happen from that conversation. It's not like I, just, I haven't gotten any physical altercations or nothing close to it, but I've had some pretty awkward conversations. And I talk it through with the people. And I think not, you know, you mentioned the percent of people that are willing to do one, that can do a one arm pull up. I think the percentage of people that are willing to talk through that group think in the moment and feel all the sensations as their body as it happens, or like their breath gets short, or you might, someone might get really uncomfortable, or they might have to question their own ethical choices, or they might have to question everything to get to that part of the conversation that quickly by just saying no. I think it's a real privilege and I'd encourage people to do it more. I'm not trying to say get yourself in trouble. But, you know, I, I've dropped my growth. Like when I found out, like some people said, well, we're not going to check you out without a mask. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll go somewhere else. And I'm like, what's your name? I need to talk to the Boulder County Health Department to figure out if what you're doing is even legal. Because <laughs> you didn't even ask for a medical exemption or anything. Or you didn't ask to see a medical exemption or anything if someone mentions it. You know, it's just like, I, I want to, most people don't seem to understand anything they're doing. They just seem to be doing as they're told. I haven't really met, the funny thing is, the one thing I'll say is, in my, when I do my ride sharing, <laughs> the one outlier correlation I have discovered with the demographics of my passengers is that attorneys don't wear masks. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Most people have it lined up and they're like, can I take this off now? Or, or they don't say anything and they just keep it on the whole time. And But attorneys just like rolling their no mask. I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know the Constitution better than some people that are talking on TV, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so I just wonder. Sprinkle that in this, like this never-ending, this this keeps going. What's the Energizer money batteries? Uh, I wonder if I have Energizer in here. But that that's a good meme. That funny. That was I like fun. that fun, comfortable. Yeah, that was originally going to be the name of the uh, Breaking Normal book. It was going to be fun, F Dash Uncomfortable. F Dash Uncomfortable. Yeah. Let's wonder. If... And then I met uh, with a really famous book agent, and he really shat on that idea. 
Mm-hmm. That wasn't the re- necessarily the reason I changed it, but that was a fun cut. Like that, I when I was in the presence of that book agent that was like telling me how inappropriate breaking normal or fun comfortable was, like the whole title and everything beyond. I realized this guy is so okay with uncomfortable conversations. He was so okay with it. I was I was inspired. I've never had someone insult me so much that I was so inspired by. Right. Yeah. It's been a huge growing experience for me this whole thing to get on uh, get more comfortable with conflict and you know just the first several times that I walked into stores without a mask and I know people are you know they're very aware you know just today i'm at the store and i'm like getting potatoes and i i feel the the uh just this lady i feel her eyes and her vibe just waiting for me to get done before she like proceeds to like be right by me to get potatoes from the same place and i like look up as i'm walking away and she just looks so angry (laughs) um and for a lot of people like they can't even deal with that much heat you know, they can't deal with any negative perception of these people around them that don't even know who they are. Um, and these people are so convicted in what they think that it can make you question yourself. You know, it's this, it's this an unintentional form of gaslighting in a way because these people are so under the groupthink spell and they're so convicted in what they believe and their whole framing around the situation that you're in the wrong and that you don't care about people and that grandma's dying because of your negligence. You know, it's And it's just a tough. side note on that, just so everyone knows, grandma died because she was born. Listen, guys, grandma got run over by a reindeer walking home from our house Christmas Eve. <laughs> I just had to throw that one in there. But you're right. You're right. It's it, besides being scared of conflict, it's this greater. You're scared of pain. You're scared of death. Life was never risk free. You could walk out the door and die for any number of reasons. You're more likely to get in a car accident than have a negative outcome for this, unless you're over sixty. You know, one of my favorite quotes of a, the, any movie I've ever seen is Tr- Brad Pitt and Troy. Have you seen that? I haven't seen Troy. Oh, you just watch that. But it, especially knowing the warrior that you are. I'm not sure if I <laughs> recommend it for everyone. It's not like the best movie ever made. But there is a really powerful scene about, um, and I don't want to be a spoiler for you if you're not going to watch it. But I probably won't watch it anytime <laughs> soon. A really um, powerful scene about Brad Troy. Troy, played by Brad Pitt. 